All right, so we're trying to get the guys to shut the fuck up, but this is what happens when you don't have a real studio and you're just doing this in the gym. All right, so here we go. We are live in... We are live from the high. Three, two, one. Just because you're not co-hosting, Carl, doesn't mean you can hop in here. What's wrong with you? He's a hater. He looks real uncomfortable. Doesn't he? Yes. He does. You're not used to talking, are you? He's not used to All talking. Right, I mean... You, you said I'm used to being too professional. Why is he so red in the face? We need to start videotaping because he's so red in the What's face right so now. Professional mean? No, so like, what did uh, he just say? like yeah. you, you've seen the NASCAR interviews, right? Where yeah, like, yeah. I gotta thank the low Chevrolet Hendrick Motorsports <laughs> crew and Goodyear and whatever. That that's like the kind of interview that I'm used to giving, Practice. like full on NASCAR style, like <laughs> rifling off the sponsors. So you're, you're trying to say yeah, we're not professional like NASCAR? No, no, I'm saying this is a much more relaxed environment compared to what I'm used to. Oh. He, he practices his before. So it's not really yeah, I it's like Audi. I love Audi. I need sponsors, just let you know. <laughs> what the hell are you hopping in for? I'm just watching you. That's all. Damn. Oh my god! He was one of the downloads, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> one download. All right, so welcome to the Hive. This is Brian Wright, your host, and. Our co-host Carl is just peeking in right now. He's actually what? not co-hosting today. He's just annoying. I'm co-co-hosting. He's co-co-hosting. That's kind of weird. Is that racist? It's not racist because you said it. No, you repeated it. So <laughs> it I was just clarifying. But you put emphasis on the cocoa. I heard you. That's yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I just picked up on that one. I'm slow. <laughs> well, he is Trent. <laughs> All right. So we want to welcome to the hive, Trent. Heinman? Hinman. 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 Actually, you actually told me not to say that, and I did screw it up. So it's Trent Hinman. Yeah, close enough. Thanks for having me on, though. I appreciate it. No problem. So, Trent, um, we are sitting here in the dark because someone's a dick. Can you please turn that on? Thank you. He wanted to see how long we would go before I would... Break the audio <laughs> to say that, and he slammed the door. And, yep, I was, yeah. That's the way Carl rolls. So, Trent, let's get down to business here. Right on. Trent, you do what for a living? Uh, I am. Can I throw religion in here? I'm blessed to be. Uh, uh, you can throw whatever the hell you <laughs> want in here. I, I, I have well, no rules. Hey, you know, you don't I have know, no rules. I really you, don't care. All right, cool. You, you don't know how people are going to react in 2017, though. It's a weird time. Um, but no, I'm I'm blessed to uh, have the career of being a professional race car driver. Now the reason I ask you that is because that's actually how we came in contact with each other. Because mm-hmm. you hit me up and you were kind, you were beating around the bush a little bit. You were telling me how you wanted to train, and I could tell there was something that wasn't being said. And then it was like I'm a race car driver, and maybe go into a little bit of. Uh, kind of what led you here because I think that it's a poignant topic and it's not something just to promote like this gym in particular but just the challenges of what you do and how you needed whatever so give me give, give me a little backstory here well I mean what led me to you ultimately was a I I was uh, pretty honored to be a part of a couple different uh, junior programs with different manufacturers like for example I got to work with with BMW for quite some time uh, as one of their junior motorsport drivers, and uh, ultimately, we we didn't just work on you know technical understanding of race cars or, or actual uh, the physical act of driving. A lot of what we did was how you prepare away from the racetrack and how you prepare uh, in in your own time before you ever show up and ever put the helmet on, uh, cinch the belts down, and, and start driving. 
And um, so driving's not all about just putting the pedal to the metal uh, dri- and holding driving, the wheel with two hands. Dri- driving's the fun part. Uh, you know, it, it's only about ten percent of it. The other ninety percent's the stuff that goes on when you're home doing your homework. Uh, you know, as in physical preparation, the biggest thing is mental preparation, and and you obviously know this. Uh, just being a, a fighter yourself and a, and a coach, right? You guys know how mentally demanding the sport that you partake in is, right? What this, it, it, what makes it demanding is it the competition aspect of it, is it the winning and losing aspect of it, the self pressure. What what's the what's the thing? Because I mean, I don't think a lot of people that are listening to this really understand what race car driving is all about and why why you're having to even have you know mental toughness or whatever yeah it's because there's so many variables outside of your control right you think about all the moving parts that are on a race car and you think about how many other people you're stacked up against on a racetrack in a closed environment at a given time right it's it's at least from my perspective it's very difficult to to remove yourself from uh, worrying about the things that you can't control, and there are so many of those variables in racing, in motorsport in general. Whether it's two wheels, four wheels, no wheels, you're racing a boat. Uh, even now with planes and stuff, there, with a mechanical item, there's so many things that could go wrong at any given moment. And you're just a driver. You're not the designer, or the mechanic, or the team no, leader. But that that's another thing too, where where the sport has gotten so competitive and it's developed to such a point over the last 50 years or so where to be one of the top level guys which i I certainly am working towards and inspiring to be um, you've got to have a little bit of everything you can't just put the pedal to the metal and and set a fast lap you got to be able to to set those laps consistently especially in long distance endurance racing where you know we're in the car for three four hours at a time uh, and and the race itself is 12 24 hours long right you've got to be able to work with co-drivers so in yeah because you can't drive 24 hours straight no no i mean yeah I, I think uh i think back in the 50s people actually tried it and i don't think they lived very long yeah yeah <laughs> but, um, like but, ultra marathons there are people that'll literally run for like 40 hours straight yeah yeah like but that. if you fall in a marathon you know you're gonna like you know scrape your knee you fucking fall asleep driving your car doing 200 miles an hour on a lap. That's not a good ending. Yeah, it's going to hurt. It's, <laughs> it's going to hurt pretty bad. That might end you, actually. Uh, you know what? Luckily, racing has gotten really, really safe, uh, which is kind of a good and bad thing. But we can get into that a little bit later if we want. It's gotten much Maybe safer. Maybe I don't want to. <laughs> it's gotten a lot safer over the last 20 years. But, um, I mean, I, you, you I, s- I got to throw this back a little bit because we know each other a little bit. But mm-hmm. we're talking to people that have no idea who you are. Fair enough. Or they do know who you are, but I think the majority of people aren't going to know who you are. <laughs> I don't know if we're really in, like, fuck you famous yet, are we? No, not no. even close. Uh, I, I barely know who you are. I have to ask Carl what your name is. You know what? For, for a while, so my claim to fame, uh, you know, I had more Instagram followers than, than Carl for a little while. And then he then he <laughs> dropped somebody in 15 seconds on <laughs> Uh, on UFC Fight Pass, and boom, there goes that record on me. Well, but, I'm an old, <laughs> hey, I'm at a, least held that title for a little bit. Shit, I'm an old fuck, so I don't have as many as any of you guys. But so here's the. So you're from. You're where are you originally from? So I'm originally from Long Branch and uh, moved to Ocean Township um, uh, when I was about ten years old. Okay, really when, so what grade did you start going to school in Ocean? Uh, fourth grade. Did you go to public school all yeah, straight through? Yeah, public public school, and that actually that. I was already racing by the time I was in fourth grade. So did you go to college? Uh, I did my first two years, all the, all my gen ed classes. Uh, got them out of the way at Brookdale, but after okay. that I stopped. Do you have aspirations to further your education? I'd like to. How old are you? Uh, 
Uh, 22. Okay. So I, you're yelling as shit. Well, I mean, time flies, especially yeah. when you're having fun, you know? All right, so you born in Long Ranch, really went to school in Ocean primarily. You did a little bit at Brookdale. <laughs> and But so when did you start racing? So I started on two wheels. I started motocross when I was four years old. But at that point, you couldn't actually race in the state of New Jersey. Uh, you couldn't race motocross. Was that something you wanted to do, or is that something that was introduced to you by somebody? Well, this all goes back to, I suppose it's always been in the bloodline. My, my father raced uh, uh, offshore powerboats for a little while, and, and it, it's a boat called the Jersey Speed Skiff. I don't know if anybody listening is uh, familiar with uh, powerboat racing at all, but Jersey Speed Skiffs, uh, it's not just specific to New Jersey. It's kind of a, a class of offshore powerboat that's raced in the Northeast in general, but they're these flat bottom uh, skiffs that have these massive, massive uh, V8s on the back of them. And my dad grew up building those boats himself, building the motors and racing him, him, him and his brother. Where's your dad from? Uh, Monmouth Beach. Okay. So it, he's he's always been a car guy, uh, engine guy, boats, planes, trains, automobiles. He's he's that sort of dude. So uh, for me, you know, some of my earliest memories is uh, waking up on early on Sunday mornings and watching. And I don't know if anybody here is familiar with uh, Formula One as well, but watching uh, uh, Formula One races. Uh, you know the the days of Mika Hakkinen and Michael Schumacher battling it out and going wheel to wheel and fighting for championships and stuff. That's some of my earliest memories, man. Two, three years old, kind of stumbling down the stairs and, and watching those races with him. So for me, I've always been exposed to cars, to racing, just, and I was really brought into it. Uh, Brothers or sisters? I have an older sister. She's a, uh, she was a very successful competitive swimmer. Now okay. lives in Rhode Island, uh, you know, just works. Uh, so competition is something though. It's kind of in your family. Yeah, yeah. My mom, there. my mom was a competitive skater and a okay. very successful coach. Coached a, a couple of national championships or national champions in uh, in uh, figure skating. Did your parents let you do this racing thing uh, for yourself, or were they kind of your coaches in the process? Because they seem like competitive people, and competitive people sometimes get over involved. They're, they're unbelievably competitive people, but they're also they. They have been in a position themselves when they were younger where they were the ones who had to decide, you know, if they want to put forth the effort to partake in the activity that they want to partake in. So for my dad, at least, if he wanted to go race boats, he had to build the boats himself. He had to build the motors. He had to he had to do everything. So himself. they didn't have stage parents. They were self-made competitive right. people, and they wanted you to do the same. Exactly, okay. exactly. So I think the difference there just lies with their unbelievable support. Okay. Um, just in terms of, of give you know lighting the fire when I need the fire lit underneath. They weren't they weren't the kind of people where hey let's say I had a not so good race. I came off the racetrack. They weren't like hey you know it's okay you'll get them next time. You know their reaction. Am I allowed to curse on here? I've been uh, cursing the whole time. What uh, are you, you're not even paying attention uh, to what I'm saying. Uh, I, I guess I'm conditioned to it. I don't oh, know, my god! From working with you. No, so <laughs> so the, their reaction was more of pull your fucking head out your ass and yeah. start driving. What, okay. you know, do you really want to do this, or are we just kind of sitting here and well, it's the playing with ourselves? You know, that Patting you on thing. the back when you deserve it and kicking you in the teeth when you need that. Yeah, too. but even if my mom's, my mom's uh, apart from myself and uh, – now I learned that you are you are quite a big critic, which hey is always a good thing. Um, but no, I mean uh, apart from my mother, I, I 
or apart from myself, I'd say my mother's uh, my biggest critic, and that's absolutely the best thing ever, even though it's it's shit that I don't want to hear 99% of the time. Like, let's say I go out and we're having a great weekend so far, leading practice sessions, uh, being quick and qualifying. You know, we're, we're winning a race, but we don't set the fastest lap of the race, right? It's like just missing out on a perfect weekend. She'll be the first one to tell me, hey, good job. Why the fuck didn't you set the fastest lap of the race? And is, I'm sitting there like, come on, with, we just won. Is that fuck with you, though? Uh, no. Is that, is that, does that go home with you? No, no, because well, it's home with me all the time. But you know what I mean. But does it? But the, but in that, in regard to your mom and dad, does that go home with you with them? Does I, your relationship on the about the track carry over into your personal relationship? Absolutely. I mean, it, this is our lives. Yeah. We um, we we've uh, again. There, racing's a strange sport, and I know I talked to you about this. Racing's one of the very few sports, and I'm sure there are others out there where. Uh, you know, if, if you've got connections or you just flat out come from a very wealthy family, you, you could just jump into, quote unquote, professional ranks of Ra- motor racing. Racing is definitely a different stitch because... They're, Way different. Because most other sports outside of... I mean, because if you're in a, a sport where you're riding something, and this could be horses, cars, mm-hmm. motorcycles, whatever. If you're riding something, there's... A financial investment that has to be made to make sure you're riding the best thing. Absolutely. Where in fighting sports, I can I'm not riding anything. The power to win and lose is in my hands because exactly. I can. You can't even. I can take the power out of the judges' hands by finishing somebody. Mm-hmm. Where in racing, you know, the power is really in the car and the investment that you have and exactly. the technology that you have behind you, which is always going to require money. So the the wealthiest ones are absolutely going to have an advantage. A- ab- absolutely, but it's also we have been touchwood relatively successful in racing because of the way we operate as a team so my family and i no we're not the wealthiest people by any means but again okay so how do you go from being a four-year-old riding whatever to getting a team behind you what's what's what gets you from what's the maturation process here give people an idea of the commitment and the time it takes right so for us it was baby steps again we couldn't just jump into the deep end into big national motocross races or or national car races and just start learning from there for me it was a process all along so i went from uh just kind of casually riding motocross or racing motocross uh and riding dirt bikes and and you know just to ultimately my mom putting an end to my motocross career because she thought it was way too dangerous and it was i I had a cousin who was a bit older than me racing 250s and he was hurting himself in a big way every time he was racing the bike so that kind of turned my mom away from it but i did quite a bit of riding at uh raceway park in english town because they've got uh, a couple motocross tracks there but at the time uh there was also a competitive kart racing championship that was taking place what the fuck is kart racing high performance go-karts okay yeah i'm thinking like pushing down a hill like okay. it's like fucking no. cool runnings or something. no shit the, these things are actually pretty legit they're uh they're they're basically um adapted motorcycle engines strapped on a purpose-built tube frame chassis with super grippy wheels and tires right uh fiberglass seat you're totally exposed how you're, fast are you going uh, about 70 miles an hour with your ass about an inch off the ground wow how old were you uh eight years old holy shit <laughs> that's pretty cool it was awesome wow. it, it was awesome but that's i mean that's how i made the transition from two wheels to four wheels 
And Any kids get killed doing that shit? No, it's actually really safe, to be honest wow. with you. Because here's 70 miles an hour, an inch off the ground doesn't sound safe to me. Yeah, I'd rather get punched in the face at eight years old than yeah. fucking shooting on a rocket. Come well, see, now. see, now, I recently had the experience of getting punched, <laughs> punched in the face pretty hard, and I can tell you that I'd rather hit a hay bale at a go-kart. Well, I, I gotta tell you, too, the guy who hit you is an asshole. <laughs> well, good, you know, we gotta... What, what's Admitting it's the first step, that... There we go. Uh... <laughs> No, so so I was I was lucky to get involved with that, but again, it, it was that process of going from, you know, just kind of casually riding dirt bikes to now being, you know, touch wood again, fortunate enough to to be in a uh, national and world championship winning position in in racing Lamborghinis. It's it it, it took a while, right? So, so I spent. Do you go from like when you're riding these cars? Does somebody notice you and then put you in a program, or do your parents see the talent and then invest in you and put you in a program? Like, wh- wh- how is it? Is this like a talent scouting stitch, or is this like you know, some kids go play soccer it, and you just race better cars? It's a combination of both. Okay, it's a combination of both. Uh, again, we we were fortunate enough to be able to to move up to lower levels of car racing, but from there, I was also lucky enough to win some scholarships to keep myself nice. into it. Uh, I was I was part of a basically the ladder system for IndyCar. For a little okay. while, I was I was supported by Mazda for a little while because I won a scholarship from them. Um, but then ultimately, it, it got to a point where if you don't continue, if you, basically if you have one poor season and you don't have the sponsorship or the f- backing to be able to get yourself back into next, yeah, yeah. you're 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 done. done. You're done. So yeah. for for me, um, I had. Probably my worst year of racing ever, but also the most educational. How do you not have like a nervous tick at 22 years old? This is a lot of pressure for a little dude. Yeah, it's you know those days that I show up here and I'm not getting the most simple combinations right. Yeah, yeah, that's because I'm worried about if I'm gonna have a job next year. I got you. But no, again, Brian, I got I got to remind myself, man. Like, how many people get to say they race cars for a living? Right, I gotta pinch myself sometimes and say, "Hey, even though things, at least from my perspective, are looking like, oh my God, if I'm not driving a race car within the next couple of weeks, it's gonna be the end of the world. If I don't have that contract signed by tomorrow, it's gonna be the end of the world." At the end of the day, I'm still getting to play I around can, with some pretty badass cars. I'm 43, and I'm I'm a lucky guy. But I'm 43, going on 44, and if you told me at 22 how I would feel, I wouldn't believe you because at 43 going on 44, I feel like I'm fucking 18. When I was 22, I was like, I'm never going to feel like this again. Like energy and focus and understanding at this age, so different. But And the, the, the one thing, like I look at you and I'm like, fuck, you're 22 years old. You have so much time. You have so much time. And if you get caught up in that where you're like, no, I don't have time and I got to do it right now because soon I'm going to be old. I might be 30. 30 is the end of the world. No. No, you have time. It, it's hard to convince yourself. Yeah, that. because I, I and, and but that's not can't be an excuse too to be like, well, no, if I no. fuck up, it's okay. You still have to make progress, but you do have to understand that if you're if the maturation in the sport's gonna take you know more time than you want, well, tough shit. It's gonna take what it's gonna take, and you just have to ride that out. And hopefully, you got the finances and the backing or whatever. But if you're making progress in the sport, I don't think you're gonna lose your yeah. Your I've been backing. so after I had that tough year when I was um, still part of the Mazda program and, and the development How old program were you for IndyCar. In trouble. I, I was I was 16. Okay, because we went from like we're doubling. That was nice. We went from four right. to eight. Now so, we're at 16. This is nice. Right, but this is nice. You'll be 32 in the next <laughs> conversation. <laughs> uh, I can only wish. Um, but just to to 
give some of the listeners maybe a little bit of background of the period in between there. It, it was just a steady progression from racing go-karts in the parking lot right outside of the drag strip at Raceway Park in Englishtown to slowly working my way up. You know, the next year I'd be running regional races around here in the Northeast. And then the year after that, I'd be running some national races. And then after that, it was only national races, winning some championships, that sort of thing. And then that's, you know, right around 2010, 2011 is when I made the move from racing go-karts to racing full, and full you're suspension races. And cars. you're able to do this because you're winning. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that was the only reason. So you're winning... And because, again, like you're saying, you're not the rich kid who's got parents paying for everything, so right. you are earning your way through this. Right. Again, it was a bit of both. So my parents did have to sacrifice a lot to give me an opportunity. School? Who are you at school? Like when you're at school, who, who are you? I, I was a kid in the back sleeping because I'd be taking a red-eye flight from, like, California to back to New York. And then Kids my mom. Did, did other kids understand why? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of questions. Was it cool or were you just weird? Uh, I, I guess it depended on your You are weird, but were you well, considered... Did they recognize it as clearly as we have? Uh, yeah, probably. Okay. I just wanted to make <laughs> so sure. I was that weird kid in the back who was, just, who was asleep all the time. But uh, again, this, is, this was another challenge that was kind of thrown in on top of all this. And God bless my parents for being able to put, with up, put up with all this shit. Um, I, was, I was really close to getting kicked out of uh, Ocean Township High School. Really? Now, that, now that's a fucking feat. Ocean Township High School is not full of overachievers, and I'm always getting kicked out of the place. I'm not proud of this, but I've got multiple guys have come through here that have been in that exact position. Uh, So, hmm. for for me though, it it was really more for attendance, Um, and that was just like for example, my junior of high school. Hey, when did you graduate, by the way? So you're Uh, 22. Did you have Elizabeth Baxter as a teacher? Yes, I did. She actually works for me in my other business now. Oh, no way. I will tell her that. Does she still work for uh, Ocean Township? No, she retired a couple years ago. Oh, Uh, you know what? I did hear about that. Yeah, she works for me now in my other other life. Nice. Yeah. Uh, I'll throw your name out there. Yeah, tell her I said hi. She was... uh, She usually knows all the ones that were having trouble. Yeah, I was... She was really cool that way. I wasn't necessarily a misbehaved child. I just really didn't give a crap about school. Yeah, because you had something else. I I was all about the racing, but... Like, my junior year of high school, I missed 60 days. Wow. 60 days of school. and That's awesome. The, I, I really wish I could have done that. Oh, it was great. That's fucking Dude, great. I was loving it. But, like, oh, man. Like, nobody wants to take homework on the road with them, right? Because at the end of the day, too, when, I, when I'm on the road, it, especially even back then, right, when 15, 16, 17 years old, still in high school, uh, I was treating this as, yeah, it's a full-time job. Right, so school was always, and I shouldn't say this, but I am. It was secondary. Look, man, you can say it because you're talking to somebody who, man, I get people yelling at me all the time for my views on the whole school thing, wow. because I, I mean, when you are lucky enough to understand who you are and what you want to do, unless you want to be a doctor or a lawyer, what the fuck is school going to do? They're not, school's not helping you drive any better. The only thing school's going to be there for is if driving doesn't work out for you. So I'm not, I mean, I respect going all in because to be the best, you have to. And I hear you and Carl talking about that all the time and, and even uh, other people involved in combat sports saying that all the time. The, uh, combat sport, this is why... You can't be half pregnant. No. You know what I mean? No, you you got to be all in. You're either in or you're not. It's you want to be the white. best? Exactly. It's different. Mm-hmm. I mean, fuck. I gave up my 20s to chase this fucking thing. Yeah. Like, I didn't get married until much later. 
I didn't have a kid until much later. Like, you know, my pa- my mom and dad, they were 23, 24 when I was born. I didn't have my first kid until I was 39. Yeah. I'm having my second kid now. I'm going to be fucking 44 when I have my next but, kid. But you spent, you know, X amount of years just getting after it, doing what you wanted yo, to do. Look, That's I, awesome. don't re- I don't regret any of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't regret any of it. I, I literally have no regrets about going after it. So I'm just saying I really understand the passion, purpose, whole part of it. And, you know, I commend anyone that has the balls to kind of go against it. Because, I mean, I, I don't know for you how many people are going to come into your life and be positive. Or, am I still doing this? Am I still? Yeah, we're good. Okay. Uh, technical technical <laughs> check there. Technical check. But I, I know for myself that the people that did go the traditional route, the ones that got the education, that did it all you know the way that the social megaphone says they were fake supportive of when i was doing well but they loved to pile it on if i was having any trouble yep do you run into that now yes yeah and, and i ran into the, that quite a bit uh in that transition from high school to college and that that's ultimately what pushed me to at least try to get my first two years and all the general bullshit classes out of the way at, at brookdale which hey i'm happy i did but again, like those two years, I can definitely tell that uh, the racing side of it, I was not as focused. I had a more difficult time showing up to the racetrack and doing the job that I needed to do in order to continue progressing. Now, I, I was lucky to be working with some really great teams and some great co-drivers at the time that, that I was able to, to shift some of that load onto, to be honest with you. But, but ever since uh, that... You said, side, fuck it. Yeah, ever, ever since, since it, you basically, said fuck it. ever since I said fuck it and went all in, it's it's been not that it's gotten any easier, but I noticed that my preparation, my 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 mentality overall, especially when I've got the helmet on, the belts are tight, and I'm about to fire up the car. It's it's all there, and there's no doubt whatsoever that this is what I need to be doing. Biggest mistakes I ever made the. The things that fucked me up the most in life has been when I tried to do too many things. Yeah. When I focused on the things I do best and stopped worrying about other shit. It's amazing how many people can pull us off course where we try and stay on our course, but we try and do the side projects to make other people happy, mm-hmm. and then everything goes to shit. That's exactly what uh, motor racing is. Because, uh, again, at the end of the day, and I'm sure it's very much like this in, in combat sports in general, especially being at the UFC level, you're going to have some politics involved, I imagine. Maybe it's a little yeah. bit more pure compared to what I'm used to, but r- motor racing in general, and again... It's Anything, you know, it's not, like... It's people. It's humanity. Fair Anytime enough. you put groups of people together, there's f- weird dynamics involved. It I, doesn't give a sh- And then when you put money and competition into it, it, fuck, now that's it's it. a whole nightmare. It's, it's the money portion of the it, The money too. fucks up fighting. I mean, I yeah. can't tell you how many guys that our relationship just went to shit over the weird finances of it. Some, like, you're cool until they start making money and then they don't want to pay because they start to get an inflated opinion and think mm-hmm. like... You know, uh, I'm not going to pay you because you're making money off my name. How the fuck am I making money but off it, your name? But it's also greed, man. I mean, you, you look at that well, number. That's, that's you, a you fake wanna... argument. What I just said, that's a bullshit argument. Exactly. It's a but... bullshit argument that people use in so many different walks of life where they have they create a fake value for themselves to get free shit. Right. They don't really give you a value. They just want free shit. But it's not even that, you know. Let's say you have a, let's say you've got a manager and and you guys have a contract and you agreed upon a, a specific percentage of hey, you know, if something is found, you get X amount. Well, when you when you when 
something's found and and the the amount's good, right? And you see that number, like ah, that's a good number. I yeah. really like all of that. But that's and I think that's just human nature. But at the end of the day, you snap out of it if you're a decent if, person. If you're a good person, because <laughs> that you again, snap out of it and say no. These I would not be here without these people. They get they get what they deserve. I I I've worked with people that literally like when they get their first big payday. You know what it is? I understand it. I'm not going to shit on anybody. From the psychology of it all, I totally get it. If mm-hmm. when you, hey man, you did it too though. Like you came up the hard way through this. You won races, but you didn't come up with a silver spoon. You came up by working hard and by winning things and you're getting and you you know, you're going up the ladder. And as you go up the ladder, the rewards get greater. And in a lot of ways, you can fall into that trap of feeling like because you sacrificed, you deserve it. And then you feel like the people that are supporting you on the way up, though, like, well, they're there already. They're older. They're secure. Look where they drive. Look where they live. They're good. They don't need it. I've never had it. Let me let me enjoy life. It gets. It's like this weird temptation that yeah. you could totally fuck every possible like good thing to come your way because yeah. you're being short term stupid because you forget you cut a deal. Yeah. You owe the people that help you. It's oh, yeah. as simple as that. Yeah. It's like you owe the fucking IRS. Well, you owe your fucking coach. You know what I mean? <laughs> exactly. Like if you exactly. fuck, you know how many guys fight for free at the UFC level in particular? Guys, it's like every couple fights they got to fight for free because they owe the IRS because they didn't pay their fucking taxes because they're stupid. Like, and it's I say stupid. It's not even stupid. It's just that temptation. It's money. It's cash. It's in your hand. You don't want to fucking give it to anybody. You feel like you killed yourself for it. But you got to be smart. Agreed. Agreed. Just got to be smart. It's. I think a lot of it could have to do with poor guidance too, because I'm sure you see this a lot too. And and a lot of what I do is not just driving race cars and getting paid. A lot of it is also coaching, right? So so like how you're here working with Carl or you're here working with aspiring fighters right I work with with aspiring drivers or people who want to improve their driving it better behind the wheel of a race car that's where over the last 14 years of motor racing that's another avenue where I also expand the network but also able to make a little bit of money off doing that and um, there's a lot of quote-unquote coaches don't even there. get me started. Oh yeah, don't but get th- me started. But that's what I'm saying. Again, I don't the give a fuck. The market's flooded. But I don't give a fuck what you do. Like, right. I mean, just look at the self-help industry. How many fucking twenty-year-old life coaches are out there now because they watched a fucking Gary Vaynerchuk video and you know, <laughs> like, read a book by Grant Cardone, and now all of a sudden they're like, they're fucking life coaches. I'm like, dude, you don't even know what the fuck life is. You're 20 years old. Wow. Give me a fucking break. I, I can't speak much now, can I? You're 22 years old. You don't. But but there's a humility in the way in which we speak about your career. You really do have an understanding of, you know, you're you're really at the beginning. I'd, I'd like to think so, but I, again, I, I've also, when I say blessed to also be born to the people that I was born to, oh, yeah. my parents are unbelievably hardworking people, and I, I've, as a family, we've been through the ups and downs, not just in sport, but in life in general. And uh, well, you're you, know, just, be, be, you have relationships that ground you, basically. Right, right. So you ground it. So if your head starts to float a little too high, you, oh, you got people yeah. around you that pull your feet back to the ground. I think... Uh, your mother and my mo- mother would probably get along quite well by the by the, some of the stories you tell. I, th- I think they'd probably end up being some pretty good friends. <laughs> yeah, my parents. You know, I I uh, I have 
I have very competitive parents too. I have very successful parents as well. Um, the reason I gravitated to the things that I've gravitated to, I I went same theme, I guess, in terms of the competitive aspect of it, but I went into things that they didn't know because I really want to do it on my own. I have a I have that. I'm I'm I like to build teams and I like to coach and that was the one thing I've always known about myself I was always a better coach than I ever was a practitioner mm. and it, it, it's not one of the, I get you know I want to punch people in the fucking mouth that are like oh those <laughs> I can't do teach I'm like fuck you actually teaching was my first aspiration I did it so I could be a better coach I think I think teaching uh, and I'd agree with you 100% and that's how my mother was with skating right she was she she always says that she was a much better coach than she was a skater, which I would tend to disagree with. She was a she was pretty badass uh, with what she was doing. Not that I know much about skating in general, but uh, that's that's not a rabbit hole we'll go down right now. Let's I not guess. go there because I I, I I think the ammunition is there. Let's not do this. Let's not do this. I don't want to talk about Co- you and ice skating. Come Co- on, copy. Devolve into oh man, come on, you know, shitstorm. Um, yeah, I okay, um, but no, really, so. She she had that mentality as well, where she always kind of had the feeling that she'd be a better coach than she was a skater. But also on the flip side too, um, being a coach, I think in many applications, is much more difficult than being the performer or the athlete Look, man, themselves. Coaching is no easy task. Man. Yeah, but but whenever anyone says easy, hard, whatever, if you're doing what you were supposed to do, it's not fucking hard. Like everything has a level of difficulty to it but if you are on your path doing what you were born to do what you feel you were supposed to do that whole thing like if you're in your zone the things that you're saying are hard or not hard so like for me people are like holy shit how do you do blah 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 and i'm like whatever it's good i'm fine i'm that's my happy place Mm -hmm. that might be hard to you because that's not your place but it is my place like i'd be lost in a fucking race car like that's hard to me and it is hard for you, but it's not as fucking hard as it would be for me, you know. So, being self-aware and knowing who you are and what you're supposed to do really does take over a lot of the difficulty part of it. So that's why, like, in a lot of ways, I people are like, oh, it's so hard. I'm like, just don't, don't, don't worry about me. I'm but, good. But it's I'm a, good. It's a two-way street here, and and that's why. And and this is really what uh, I always enjoy talking to you about the parallels that I find between to, between motor racing and between. Uh, uh, combat sports because honestly Brian before I came to you and this it's almost exactly one year ago when I started training yeah. with you I didn't even know how to throw a fucking punch now yep. you you and I both know that you know that way too well too. <laughs> and, but now, no, really. and now I'm punching you in the face on Saturday morning and, I, and I'm honored I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> oh, honored <started. laughs> um, but no really it's it's the same thing where where um, I, I dip my toes into your world and it's the same sort of program where if you were going to dip your toes into my world, too. Yeah, it's but you know, the, the thing, I was talking to somebody about this the other day, was that uh, they've recognized in a lot of different things. I, I'm not going to get into all the specifics. Go fucking Google what the hell I'm going to say <laughs> to see if I'm right or wrong. But So if you have a challenging skill, like exactly what we're talking about here. So you race cars and you have challenges. We're, we're a little bit all over the place in, in, in talking, but... Uh, bringing it back down to what really got you to want to 
train was because there's a lot of pressures and it's a skill and you've got different dynamics that you have to be prepared for and just all this stuff you've got your career you got the guy behind you you got the guy in your mirror the guy next to you the guy in front of you if you're fucking trying not in first place and you got all this shit going on and you're just trying to figure out how do i get my mind right so i can deal with it and you're 22 years old and you know uh, you, you got a lot of experience but you're still developing experience so that you can process all this information well a lot of people have found success if they're really if the, so if you're a car if you're a race car driver take you out of that put you in another environment hit you with a similar kind of stress pattern allow you to learn it in a different environment so that when you go back you have a new skill set like you don't have to just drive to get good at driving no you can take on a a different challenge that doesn't have the same stresses and it allows you to deal with things that car racing is too complicated to or has too much going on so you can't focus on the little things the well, little issues it, it, so you come here you do kickboxing i challenge you in different ways but it's the same challenges exactly. just in a different environment exactly exactly yeah. and also the problem is not that it's impossible but very 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 few people within the world of racing alone have the ability to get in a car, hop on the bike, or do whatever, and pound laps every day. It's just not happening. It's too stressful, too. Well, it's not even too stressful. I'm an idiot. I drive in circles as fast... Well, not actual <laughs> circles, but I drive laps as fast as I fucking can for a living, and that's what makes me happy. Yeah. Nothing else, right? So, so if I had the ability to drive a race car every single day in my life... I'd be. I guess I'd be like a coke addict. I don't even know. I, <laughs> but 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 you don't find but, by doing the same thing. You can do the same thing every day, and it can be absolutely new because the challenges daily do change. But at the same time, in time, you almost get desensitized to the little things that separate the great from the good. Exactly, and and that's that's kind of the flip side to all this as well. And this is why. And I'm not trying to blow smoke here. This is the genuine, God's honest truth. Ever since I started coming here, I've become a much, much better driver. Purely because of, again, the parallels in the mentality and, and, and I, not just the physical aspect. You kick our asses here, which is awesome. And we, we absolutely need it. And that's what I need for the physical side of racing. But, but the mental side of it, right? Yeah. Padding up, throwing the mouthpiece on, throwing the headgear on, which one of the best purchases i've ever made <laughs> um and, and and touching gloves with somebody and going at it that's to me there's there's no better preparation as as backwards as it may sound there's no better preparation i've ever found for preparing for driving a race car than there is you know touching gloves and going at it with somebody well i i've always maintained that you know, taking on the challenge of combat sports just makes you a better human in general because the, there's just so many different things we can touch on in regards to that. But again, just if you're, but even if you're a combat sports guy, you should have other things going on so that you can deal with those challenges. Mm -hmm. Because you know, we keep talking about Carl a lot because Carl's in the UFC and he's the highest level guy. But we have a lot of different guys that fight at a lot of different levels, and you can see the grind starts to numb them after a while if you especially when you see a guy who's taken like two or three fights back to back or you get that guy who's had like five or six fights in one year and it's like, it's like one massive grind and by the last fight you see that the, they're not peaking at this point now they're starting to get that that like numb level mm -hmm. and if they're not well-rounded it just gets they they just don't snap out of that but if you have other 
things in life that challenge you in a positive way, you have that to constantly keep you engaged. So that's why, I mean, for me too, I think it's really important that you have uh, positive relationships outside of your sport. Like you do have that one friend who could give a fuck about what you do and just likes you because you're you. Yep. That's really important because that's the real honest person, the one who's like, I don't give a fuck about what you're driving. You want to go get a beer tonight and we're going to watch whatever. Or, you know, do you remember when you were fucking 10 and you did that dumb shit? Like remind you that you're human. You're not a fucking superhero, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, luck- luckily I got a, I got a group of uh – God, can I go so far as even call them savages? No, I, I got a, I got a bunch of good friends, and even here, man, I, I've made a lot of, a lot of good friends that I think, uh, hopefully, I'll have for a long time just by coming here, because that's, that's a crazy thing too, right? Where on a Saturday morning we're here, we're touching gloves, and we're trying to punch each other in the, in the mouth. Well, it's and a then brotherhood late, in a lot of ways, right. man. You're blood brothers at that point, well, legitimately. And then later on in the day, we're, we're going somewhere, we're grabbing a beer, and we're watching whatever fights on that night. And it's to me, that's, that's awesome. As long as you have the right mentality, you have... I mean, I've been in rooms over the years that people don't like each other, and it's not sparring, it's fighting. And then I've been in rooms where everybody's cool, and they fight balls to the wall hard as they can and they're like laughing about it after because the spirit of it is progress not punishment right and that's that's the one thing i enjoy about the community here and that's what i always try and and develop is that we develop a relationship where a group of people that we push each other to be better i mean you're a race car driver carl's a fighter andrew's a banker Mm -hmm. frank's a steel worker you know, I can go on and on and on with people in the different walks of life, but when you're on the mat with your mouthpiece in and your headgear on, you're just another dude trying to survive out there. Exactly. And that strips us of all those bullshit titles that I just said. Mm-hmm. It just makes us people. Yep. And then we deal with that, and we make ourselves stronger by pushing each other, and then we go back to whatever it is we do and we do it and then we come back to the well and we just keep filling up and going back and forth and i think that's the cool aspect of group training and something that pushes i mean i see it even in crossfit and shit like that like where people that take on a really hard task together and you know they feel like they pushed as a team towards something you know whatever like anything it could, it could be anything but i mean i i don't i don't want to say like what we do is I don't want to sit here and turn this into a fucking infomercial about Killer Bee Combat Sports, you know, because I, I think it, I don't care where you are or who you are. If you have a group of people that's working towards some kind of positive thing together, it could be, you know, it could be a bunch of fucking karate guys that are doing car racing on Saturdays together, or it could be a bunch of car guys that come to a fucking kickboxing school together, whatever. I don't care. But it's just that group, that combined thing, that group effort pushing towards positive goals. I think that's the thing. And then if you if you're an athlete or whatever, I mean, I have people that are really successful outside of the gym in the white collar world that come to me and say that I have the same fucking conversation with them that you and I are having mm-hmm. about like, hey, I've been here a year and I can't believe. And it's like, well, what the fuck you think was going to happen if you really put yourself into it? Yeah. Yeah. You learn how to push. That's what we do here. Exactly. So I don't care if you're in the fucking boardroom or behind a car. When everybody else is questioning themselves, you're like, fuck you. I got punched in the face the other day. <laughs> I can keep going. Exactly. You know, exactly. I used to joke that like... I was telling Andrew this one day. Uh, I go in for business meetings with people, and I literally, like, people are like, man, that was a rough meeting. I'm like, I could fucking kill every one of you. I am not worried about this. And it's twisted. That sounds so twisted. Somebody that's uninitiated from this is going to be like, oh, my God, he's a serial killer. No, fuck you. Like, I know that 
if the world fucking collapsed, you'd be hiding behind me. Right. I'm not fucking coming to you. It's it's a it's a sense of self reliance, right? You're yeah. you're just making yourself more self sufficient, and uh, I mean you're you always again you talk about uh, the levels, right? Of, levels of mentality, man. athleticism, levels however, shit. Ha- exactly. There are levels to this shit. It's, a, it's the same thing, and I think any area of life where there's competition, whether it's business, whether it's fighting, whether it's racing cars, whether it's you know actual combat overseas somewhere it's it, it, there there are levels to the shit and there's uh in car yeah. racing the levels aspect of it if all the cars were equal which is an impossibility but let's say the playing field is equal what is the determining factor for that because I, I don't give a fuck what sport you're in you always see the same group of guys taking first place like usually it's two or three guys that are winning 90 percent of the races why from a te- technical aspect, is in like actual from the, from, driving from mechanics. The, from or? like, I've always felt that if you put, so I used to go to nationals all the time, growing up, even with, with karate especially, you would go and it was the same two guys in the finals every year, every year. Mm-hmm. They didn't do anything different. They just fucking won. You could say politics, you could say whatever, but it's the two same two guys. And then they would retire, and then another two guys would do it. I always found that there were people that had a stretch, and there would be an anomaly, like, but that was because like somebody got hurt, right? But I always felt that winners have a mental edge over everybody else. There's just something about there's people that are competitive, and there are people that are winners. I think those are the people who uh, run, as you say, run towards a gunfire, yeah. right? Where where their ability to remain relaxed under even the most high-pressure situations is what gives them that edge, you know? Because Carl stole this from me last time, and I've said this for years. The samurai most prepared to die is the one who lives the longest. That was the samurai maxim. Yeah, but he, he, butchered, he butchered that one. Up. He butchered it. He fucked it up. <laughs> but you, you just said that. But the, the point of it is, is that when you are prepared to die... You give less of a fuck, so you have a much greater freedom of action. Right. You don't have the hesitation. You're so up. that guy who's staying relaxed under pressure is not giving a fuck, but he actually is giving so much of a fuck, he's only caring about the things that matter, exactly. so there's no distraction, and he's getting the job done. Exactly. Exactly. Because, again, in, in motor racing, any aspect of motor racing, there's so many variables outside of your control where if you try – and I, I've caught myself in this trap many times – if you try to control every last detail of the car, of the team, you know, pit stops have to be perfect, driver change has to be perfect, my driving has to be perfect, right? It, it takes away from your job and your job only. And that's, uh, again, where you go from being a, a relatively relaxed person and just focusing on the immediate task at hand and the immediate threat to uh, now all of a sudden you're, you're making stupid mistakes, you know, driving errors that you never had before. You're, you're in an area uh, of, of competition that you've never been in with, with before. Like, I, I've never gone wheel-to-wheel with this guy. You know, what the hell am I doing back here? I'm usually, you know, up battling with the top three. I'm not back in 10th, whatever. But that's what happens when you spread yourself too thin and you start worrying about all those different variables. And, uh, again, to t- kind of tie this all up, that's that's where I find uh, such a huge parallel between between doing this stuff and uh, and racing because you know at the end of the day if I 
it, basically if I keep trying to chase the kicks or the punches or whatever, I'm just going to eat them yep. all the time, right? Yep. If I just stand there and kind of react to what's coming at me, it's going to go much more smooth, smoothly. What? So my last question, I guess, with this one is when you have what you would call you know, a great race, is that a race where you're just you're you're not overthinking, you're just driving and it's just working and you're not questioning why. Uh yes. And those my my best races ever, I can't tell you a fucking thing about what happened. Because you were in the zone. Right. And that's that's something where coming here that's not just working on the physical aspect uh, of of training here or, or you know working on technique that's another thing that I'm working on here too is overall how do I put myself back in that place every time I do something that's competitive and that's something that I'm still trying to figure out and I think it's going to take Yo, a man. long fucking time to figure out because a lot of shit needs to align to make that happen but again that's that's uh, yeah those are the ideal races when I I can't tell you a single thing that happened. It was purely it, just visceral, analog. Your muscle memory. I know from over. from from fighting perspective, the two fights you remember the most, the one where you're in the zone, mm-hmm. that's like the high. That one's just like whoa. Where that's like trippy shit. That's yep. like you're on drugs or something. It's crazy. And then unless you've been there in any capacity outside of fucking drug use or something, <laughs> it's really hard to explain to somebody. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I don't condone like drug use and all that kind of shit to get there. I think being good at what we do is the best way to get your fucking high. But um, the other one is the opposite of it, where you're fucking up. You realize you're fucking up, and you pull off the comeback. Mm-hmm. Now, I said it last question, but this will really be in racing terms. Do you have a race, or have you had races where they're the gritty experience where instead of it being like everything was fucking perfect and that was amazing and I don't remember anything but do you have that time where like nothing was really working you had to suck it up pull your shit together and you still pulled it off and you're like fuck yes to me those are the races that mean the most to me because I I, that's I think everybody uh, right because that's the one where you're so jacked up right like uh, in those races where for me, the perfect race is a boring race. Nobody wants to watch it because that <laughs> that means that you're just kind of walking away from everybody, and hey, that's it. You're you're just controlling it from the yeah. front, and those are the races where you don't remember what the hell happened just because you're you're in such a rhythm, right? And you're in that zone. But uh, the races where it's you know you you battled from a from a couple spots back on the grid, you you had a bad pit stop or something like that, so you're having to work your way through through. Uh, other drivers other cars right you're you're having to sort of map out your your path to victory on the go and on the fly and then you you know you you make that sort of final last minute move with a couple laps to go or maybe even on the last lap and and pull it out right that those are the races where you're on the radio crossing the start finish line screaming losing your voice you know, fuck yeah, boys, we did it. That sort of thing. Th- those to me are are, are the best. I, I I agree. The gut checks are the best ones. Yeah, yeah. I've lost fights that I feel better about because I survived them than some fights I've won. Uh, to me, any race that I don't win, I'm usually pretty salty. 
I'm not saying like I'm happy. Don't try and make me into the happy fucking loser over here, you jackass. But there was actually there have been there were fights that I've had yeah. that I knew in what bad physical condition I was in. But you and, powered through, and I was able to power through. Yep. Like to know that I can still like move forward after taking damage. Like I. How I mean, what's being beat up in a race? Do you, is there ever? Oh, man, I kept saying last question. I just keep fucking going here. What the fuck is wrong with me? Hey, dude, my what? wife, my wife is going to kill me. But um, <laughs> all right, let me. So, is there is there a point where the is there a physical fatigue factor that that'll hit you to the point where you feel like basically you're getting beat up behind the wheel of a car? Uh, again, this is where I say there's so many variables to worry about in motor racing because not only are you worried about not damaging your car itself or having any sort of technical problems, and now with the cars that we're racing, I mean these are. God, these these things are anywhere from half a million to three quarters of a million dollar cars, man, and and they're so integrated with all this technology, trash control, ABS, but they're all working at such a high level. So many sensors and stuff. I have con like we're not racing like NASCAR where we're trying to put each other in the fence. Yeah. Because the problem is, if I touch you with one wheel. Okay, I might not bend anything, but there goes a wheel speed sen sensor. Now the whole system's out of loop. Now I've lost traction control, ABS, all that stuff that I need in order to go fast, right? Because all the other cars have so it. So the mind fuck for right? you is really the beat up. Right. So so there there there's a couple different scenarios that can play out, but it really boils down to protecting your equipment. No mistakes whatsoever because it's very easy to get involved in some sort of battle on the racetrack where, you know, you, you put somebody off the road and then you get a drive-through penalty and yeah. race over. Where you have to drive through the pit lane and you lose, you know, one minute of on-track time, that sort of thing. And you're not coming from a one minute back yeah, unless yeah, you get yeah. really lucky. Uh, so there are scenarios like that, but there are also scenarios where, yeah, there's been races before, mainly in Austin, Texas. Uh, I hear that's a great town. All I got to say is uh, that place at the end of August. Fucking hot. Oh, it's fucking hot, dude. So you're dying behind the wheel. It it gets warm. Yeah. It gets warm. I, the hottest I've, I think I've ever been, like temperature-wise, behind the wheels, somewhere in the region of like, God, like 120 to 130 degrees. Um yeah, or that's actual like cockpit temperature, but you got to keep in mind, man. You're wearing, you know, um, all fireproof gear. You've got the helmet on. You're you're cinched down into uh, into a, a black suede seat that really doesn't. So there is a physical toll well. on this. Yeah, mostly in sports car racing, it's mostly uh, temperature. Yeah, that's the biggest problem. The cars. We still got to stay focused, and you know, right? You got to stay focused with with all that. That shit's not easy. The cars physically aren't unbelievably difficult to drive they're not easy but it's not like how you know race cars were back in the the 80s and 90s with a thousand horsepower and no electronic uh, so with all this I, I to me the more we talk about this the more i really am getting a grasp on this is a really mentally challenging sport you've got a tremendous amount of pressure on you because you know you you have these cars which do so much of the work and the the what's going to separate one guy from the next is a really fine line. So if you're mm -hmm. really not, you know, if you're really not pushing it, you're not winning. I'll, I'll tell you this: when uh, I was in Italy uh, last month, show right? off, show off. <laughs> show off. When when we were there for the uh, 
Lamborghini Super Trofeo World Finals. Uh, I had to say just it. I just had to drop. say That's like, that's the big name drop right there. <laughs> oh, boy. I, I have to start talking. I'm going to sound like a real asshole now, aren't I? Yeah, whatever. The damage is done. <laughs> um, but no, when we were there, um, and again, this is one of those scenarios where we, we kind of had to dig deep down and pull, pull it out uh, in order to, to be be the uh, world champions over there it was um it was a deal where my co-driver qualified for the first race he goes out he's uh he he's like a hundredth ahead in lap time wise and this is a let's say like right around a two minute lap one hundredth of a second ahead of the next car jesus but at the end of the day it doesn't matter he won his, his name is still on top of hey the motherfucker guy. it's like what i say when you slip punches it can be by an inch or it can yeah. be by a mile it's still fucking yep. missed man it's you a, still slipped it parallels thank you parallels i, I i've been saying all the time i fucking like how that wrapped up <laughs> god damn we walked into a really good way to end this <laughs> so but hold on let, so let me just finish this story real quick um so then and this does not reflect well on me, but luckily at the at what the end does, of the trend, what does well because then it was my turn to go and qualify for the second race of the weekend, and we go out and I'm like two tenths off of the guy who's in first position. I'm all the way in seventh, <laughs> and I was ashamed of myself. But later on in the day, we were able to uh, pull out uh, a pass with about two laps to go and and win a race and ultimately win a world championship. So the 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 recovery was there but again that's what i'm saying that you know so, it's so a fine line it's a fine line it's we're not just sitting here talking to a guy who drives cars we're talking to a guy part of a world championship racing team uh fortunately yes that's awesome that's really awesome i i and it and it what i like about it too is coming from this area i uh i think you know ocean township long branch kid being able to do something on this level i think you know and it's I'm not going to say it's an obscure sport because you're in a very large sport, but it's obscure in terms of its appreciation probably in this area, which I understand. Fuck, man. I mean, I traveled around the world doing what I do too, and nobody knew who the fuck I was or what I did, nor did they care. But, but I don't care where the fuck you're from, who the fuck you are. If you understand who you are, if you understand what you want, you can achieve anything. Are we, are we trying to be famous or are we trying to win? There you go. That's a question. Yeah. I think you're throwing it back to what I said last podcast. Exactly. I'm glad you picked that up. Well, I'm not stupid. Come on now. <laughs> Shit. Hey, man, I'm one of those guys that doesn't remember what they had for You want to be a fighter so. or you want to be famous? You want to be anything or do you want to be famous? You want to be famous? Go get a fucking YouTube account or an Instagram account and do dumb shit. If you want to fucking be something, go be it. Hey, Kevin Hart said it. Uh, everybody want to be famous. Nobody want to put the work in. No, man. So, But you've been putting in the work, so. Try to. You know, hey, you got a world title. You definitely had to be doing the work if you're there. And you're here because you were trying to even do more work. So got to commend you for that. Trent, this has been enlightening. We will definitely do this again. What I want to do is uh, when you come back off of one of these trips to one of these like shithole countries like Italy. <laughs> Jesus. Or like when you go to like Monaco or something like that. Uh, like yeah, we're, we're, dumps, not, we're not at dumps. that level yet. Hey, I will say this, man. Racetracks are in some pretty obscure places. Yeah. They're usually out in the middle of fucking nowhere away from the city. Although I will say the track in Italy is so uh, Autodromo, uh, Enzo Edino Ferrari in Imola, uh, which is a, a town that's just south of Bologna. This is a really cool track because it literally surrounds a village. It's that's so nice. cool, man. But only a racing nerd like me would get off to that. Well, so I'll shut up. What we'll do is, 
you go to one of these interesting locations and you do one of these races. We'll bring you back on and you give us a, a, a detailed breakdown of the experience. We got a little bit of your history. You got a little bit behind what, what's going on. And honestly, I, I'd like to continue the conversation about the, the challenges and the stresses of what you do and kind of how you combat that because I think that's the value for anybody that's listening here. I mean, I, I mean, for me, you're just validating everything I believe. Again, it's it's understanding who you are, seeing where your natural talents lie, putting the time in to develop your skills, and going all in on your, your shit. And it doesn't matter you know, if you're four or you're 22 or you're 43 going on 44, man, you got to throw yourself into whatever it is you do and you got to go for it. Absolutely. It's the same message Carl has. Same message I have, same message you're going to have. Anybody I know that's found success, it's the same conversation over and over. We're talking about cars. We're talking about cars. Carl and I talk about fighting. I have other people that are going to talk about business. I'm bringing in a guy in a couple days who's a strength and conditioning guy, and he's found tremendous success with his business, and he's expanding, and he's working with a lot of athletes, and he really – is immerse himself in what he does and you're gonna it's it's crazy just keep listening because you're just gonna keep hearing the same story over and it's, over and over just different color it, you it's know? pretty black and white you you're either winning or you don't or you're not you're either all in or you're not it's i think if you're not first you're last exactly exactly <laughs> thank you ricky bobby thank you trent thank you i appreciate you coming on and uh i i, I love the i love the hustle man i love what you're doing and yeah Keep it going. Hey, you know what? To uh, to say that uh, you and Carl and everybody at Killer B isn't a part of all of it, you know, it's uh, that'd be absolutely incorrect. So I want to I want to say thank you for uh, for having me on. Thank you for teaching me so much here and and kicking my ass when I need the ass whoopings. And uh, I'm looking forward to to continued success working with you guys. Uh, so I thank appreciate you. that. You want to throw any um, shout outs here? Uh, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, right on. Uh, I think it's pretty. Pretty straightforward. Uh, find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Trent Hinman, T R E N T H I N D M A N. Um, my my social media accounts are pretty boring, man. It's always cars and a long sappy paragraph thanking thanking the crew and thanking the team and you know well, put, maybe we'll put my ass in a pretty cool pretty cool situation. All but right, uh, maybe we'll have to work on getting updating your, yeah, your social yeah, account. Gonna, one <laughs> thing, one last advice on that one is start telling more stories about who you are instead of just about what you do because i can tell you that more people are going to care about you than they're going to give a fuck about what you do you know what i mean people are going to be interested you got a really cool story to tell fucking tell it everybody should note it yeah so do your thing so this is the hive i am brian wright you can find me at brian wright 732 com Brian Wright 732 on Twitter and Instagram. And then if you want to check out Killer B, we are KillerBCSA.com. You can find us, Killer B Combat Sports Academy, on Facebook. We're KillerBCSA on Instagram, on Twitter. Yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. So you want to follow us again for the Hive Podcast? We are TheHiveCast.com. I appreciate you guys listening and. Uh, we have another one coming out pretty soon. We'll have Keith from Bulldogs and Barbells come on. And again, Trent, thank you. We are out. That was good. Cool. <laughs>